Merry Christmas, Life Point Church. How you guys doing today? Come on, can you believe it? It is Christmas 2021. This has been an amazingly long year, but we're here. Come on, everybody. Who's excited for Christmas morning tomorrow? My goodness. Okay, everyone in the room right now, I need you to scoot in because we've got folks that came with their family for Christmas Eve service, and they are seated in our lobby. They're seated in Next Steps Overflow. I just want to say welcome to all of you guys that are watching digitally, especially those in, uh, in video screens in our building. We want to say welcome to you, but we're trying to make room right now. So all of you guys in this room, scoot in, scoot in from the edges. You don't get to have margin today. Come on. This is the fullest I've seen our church in two years. Can I tell you how great it is to be back? Hallelujah. Man, so good to see all of you. Welcome to Life Point Church. My name is Mike. My wife, Stephanie, and I, Burnett, are honored to serve as pastors here along with our amazing team. It is our privilege to serve you. If you're sitting in a screen venue, we call it our lobby campus or overflow spaces, we wanna, we're working to get room for you. So our ushers are looking and we're judging people that are not moving right now. <laughs> we're trying to get you seats, but I promise, hey, if you wanna sit on stairs and honestly, anybody watching on a video in the building, if you wanna sit on stage with me, I promise you there's plenty of room up here and I would be glad to have you up here. You could be an illustration. I'm talking about people having babies today. So come on up here, it'd be great. <laughs> Man, it's exciting to be together as one church. I wanna say welcome to all of our video online campuses. Seriously, if you've got gaps between you, fill them in right now in the room so people can get in here. Uh, what a privilege to join our East Valley Dream Center campus in Chandler, Arizona, as well as our online campus family. We love you, church. So good to be together. And uh, for those of you who are regulars at LifePoint, we want to say thank you for your generosity this year. You have made a difference in so many lives throughout the year. And uh, thank you for giving, bringing tithes and giving offerings. You know, it's interesting as we know the Christmas story, we know the story of the wise men who came and traveled far to meet this Christ child when he was born. And they came seeking Jesus, but they came with gifts. They came with a generous heart. In fact, it's interesting for wise men, some, some say that they were royalty they would have known the value of receiving gifts themselves. But it's interesting that they brought gifts to this king of kings. They brought gifts to the Lord Jesus. They traveled far, which cost them time and money and resources, just so they could behold Jesus and bring him a gift. There's something about when you're excited for Christ, being a generous person. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So thank you for being a generous church and a giving church. And your giving has been a blessing to your church, to your city, to the state to the nation and the world through our missions partnerships, but ultimately your giving is a blessing to King Jesus. So amen and thank you for that. Well, welcome to our Christmas Eve service, everybody, and thank you for making today a high priority for singing and worshiping with us, for bringing guests, and for making your Christmas Eve service part of your Christmas tradition. How many of you are excited for all the things you've got going on in your family tonight or maybe a meal? Who's got dinner already kind of in the crock pot or rolling for tonight. Anybody do gifts on Christmas Eve? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. That was those of us that were impatient as children. We brought that tradition into our adulthood, didn't we? We're like, I just want to know. I want to know what my wife got me and if she did it right. Hey, how about those kids this morning, everybody? Come on now. I love watching kids at Christmas. Man, what a blessing to have our kids sing today. And great job to all of you kids that sang and danced. And man, my host who said, Miss Natalie wants, no, we ain't doing it. Silent night. We're going to let Pastor Mike do that at the end of the service. I love the different personalities of the kids on stage. I love the talents, watching them dance and watching parents and grandparents begging your kid to do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't you mess up. I'm taking a photo. I love looking at our kids on stage. And, man, I, I, 
you know what I honestly was sitting there thinking is, these kids are the future of our church. These kids are world changers. How many of you think our world needs some kids coming up that are different and that love Jesus and that are world changers? Come on. We don't need to raise kids to look like the world, but to change the world. Come on, everybody. Some of these kids have been at LifePoint since they were born. One of the joys of being a pastor for a long time is you get to watch families get started and then have kids and then dedicate babies and become kids and teenagers. And man, I just love that. Have you ever looked, um, speaking of babies, have you ever looked at baby world records? Did you know babies keep world records? Did you know? No, Guinness does. But it's, it's actually an, an interesting Google search. For instance, did you know that the world record for the most babies born to one mother, mother 69 babies. <laughs> All the moms moaned. <laughs> it was just collective like, oh God, no, no way, no. It was a mother in Russia. She had 69 kids and actually 67 of them survived. There's a family, here's a record, a family in Chicago has the longest consecutive girl, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, 11. Girl, boy, girl, boy, consecutive births. The shortest baby ever born was not me. The shortest surviving baby ever born was born at just under 10 inches long. Stayed in the hospital 100 days, went home, lived a healthy life. The oldest person on record, besides Sarah in the Bible, the oldest person on record to have a baby, you ready? She was in Spain, gave birth to twins seven days before her 67th birthday. So I need all of our 60-plus folks to stand up right now. I'm going to pray a special anointing over you. Come on now. We're trying to grow this church any way we can. Hallelujah. Could you imagine? 67. Like got her AARP card and a stork. You know what I'm saying? Like that is amazing. Of course, the, uh, the largest number of multiples we have on record is the Octomom, 2009. You guys remember that? And those kids are in sixth grade now. Can you believe that? What in the world? Um, anybody remember your birth weight? Or any moms recently had babies? You know how big them children's were? Any 10-pounder babies in the house? You know what I'm talking about? You were? All right, my, my guy. Right. I was, I'm a big guy now, but I was a pretty average baby. I was 18 pounds. And, no, I was eight and a half. I was eight and a half pounds. And um, I, I came out just talking full sentences. I mean, it's crazy. But uh, according to the University of Michigan Health, uh, the average newborn baby is seven and a half pounds, 20 inches long. The world record for a newborn baby, you ready for this? In November, uh, January 18th, 1879, the world record of a newborn baby, 30 inches and 23 pounds, 9 ounces. <laughs> now, now, now the moms are moaning, you know what I'm saying? They're, let me just give you some context. The average car tire weighs 25 pounds. Three gallons of water, 25 pounds. World record baby, 23 pounds, 9 ounces and joined the uh, New Orleans Saints as a, as a tight end that day. What in the world do babies and records have to do with Christmas? Well, to all of our kids who are here, by the way, welcome. I'm your pastor. I love you, and I'm so thankful you're in the room. Do me a favor. Hold off your conversations for a little bit. Parents, this is your time to pinch and no judgment. You know what I'm saying? You go to Walmart and pinch a kid, and somebody's staring, taking a photo, putting you on TikTok. But you do it in church, it makes sense. So just give them a little, hey, hush your mouth. Give them a little coloring book for a little bit. What do babies have to do with Christmas? Well, have you ever wondered the birth stats of Jesus? Have you ever wondered how tall was he? How long was he? How much? What, did he have curly hair or did he have straight hair? What was his weight when he came into the world? Much of the Christmas story centers on the birth narrative of Jesus, right? It's the baby in the manger. Well, 
Obviously, we'll never know the specifics and the details of his birth weight and height, and it doesn't really matter in the way that we calculate it, but what if I suggested to you that the birth of Jesus was the baby that we celebrate, he was the biggest baby ever born. And what if I suggested that what measured baby Jesus was not his height and weight, but what measured baby Jesus, this newborn, was the enormous reality of who he was coming into our world? What if it was measuring the newborn Jesus was so special, it was the reason the wise men traveled days to get to him and brought thousands of dollars worth of gifts? It's why Simeon, the old man in the temple, on the eighth day of Jesus' life, literally when he held him, said, my life is complete because I have beheld the glory of God. What if what measured baby Jesus was in fact that he was the biggest baby ever to be born. I recently heard a good friend of mine, uh, John Davidson, he preached a message. He's newly elected at a church in Springfield, Missouri, and I'm so happy for him and the church. He quoted Queen Lucy from C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. And in the book, The Last Battle, she's talking to uh, some of the kings and lords of the day, and she's talking uh, to a king named Tyrion and another man named Lord Diggory, and they're, they're having this conversation about a stable like a horse stable that they're seeing between the two dimensions of earth and Narnia, right? If you're familiar with the story, it's this multidimensional conversation or, 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 or narrative, rather, that's to show us between earth and heaven. It's this Christian uh, allegory. And Lord Diggory says the stable's inside, the stable's inside is bigger than its own outside. And Lucy says this. She's a primary character throughout the entire series. She says, yes, in our world too, in earth, there was a stable that once had something inside it that was bigger than our whole world. What if I suggested to you that Jesus was the biggest baby who was ever born? What a profoundly amazing, true statement that the stable once that we had in our world, there was something inside it that was bigger than our entire world. That stable was the place that hosted the biggest birth ever, the birth of Jesus named Emmanuel, who is literally God with us. So why do I suggest that he's the biggest birth? Unfortunately, for many of us, we think the birth of Jesus was the beginning of Jesus. In fact, other religions believe that Jesus began at birth and then became a deity, that he began and just got his start as a baby and grew into his divine self. Many of the atheists and agnostics of the days won't deny the reality that Jesus existed. They just don't believe that he was God forever, and they think he started and was just a good moral teacher. Islam and Judaism and all these other traditions teach that Jesus began as a baby and became a great prophet, a great moral compass, a great leader. But in fact, it's the misconception about Christ that his divinity wasn't, in fact, eternal and that somehow he only began when Mary delivered him. So for the rest of the time that we have together today, I want us to look at one of my favorite birth narratives of Jesus. In the Gospels, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and Luke really record the most famous um, accounts of the birth of Jesus. But it's, in fact, John's Gospel that shows the bigger picture of this big baby born to the world. So I want us to read together John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, and this is our Christmas text, John 1, 1 through uh, 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness that does not overcome it. I want us to begin by understanding this Christmas, the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. Look again at verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
I remember as a new Christian, I, I read this passage, and, and I had no idea how to interpret it. The Word was God, because I had a Bible that actually said the Word of God on it. Anybody have an old school Bible that says it like that? Who's called this the Word of God, right? That's what we call it. And I remember as a new Christian, I thought the Word of God, I thought that was the Bible. So does that mean the Bible is God? Does that mean that the Bible is from the beginning? Was the Bible with God and he dropped it down from heaven? If it was the word, if the word was God and the Bible is the word, then do we worship the Bible? All of a sudden I'm confused. I was nervous about writing in my Bible, taking notes or dropping it on the floor or putting it in a chair where someone sits. Then I heard a preacher say that this text would suggest that Jesus was the word. And I'm going, okay, this, this is unpacking a little bit for me. But then I'm saying, well, if Jesus is the word, is Jesus the Bible? And, and do we need to see the Bible as equal to Jesus? Do we worship Jesus? The, do we worship the Bible? The Bible didn't go to the cross for me. The Bible didn't raise from the dead for me, so it's confusing. And I'm still left trying to worship the Bible, and it's weird. So I read this text. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And I want you to get this text, more importantly, this term, the word. Everybody say, the word. John, the gospel writer, was brilliant and he understood his audience, and he understood the social and political realities and the educational realities of his immediate context. John used the term word, which in original language is this word, logos. Everybody say logos. Looks like the word logos, but it's the word logos in the Greek. And the word logos is a Greek word that's incredibly rich and layered with meaning. For the Jewish audience, this word may have referred to the creating speech of God, right? When God spoke and the words of God were creative and they were, they were able to speak all things into existence or the words God used to speak through prophets in the Old Testament. But for the Greek audience, that's for the Jewish audience, they're thinking creator God speaking words of creation. But for the Greek audience that John was writing to and, and an audience of Western philosophy minds like most of us who are brought up in Western culture, this word logos means something so rich and so full. I want you to nerd out with me for just a second before we get into the rest of this text. But this word logos has to do with the eternal reality of everything that's true. It's the eternal reality of everything that's true and all the power of God. It's the divine reality of God's purposes, plans, his activity. When the Bible says the word was with God, it's the eternal truth of everything God does that is good and purposed and eternal and divine. It's this logos, this reality of everything godly and good and true, all things God does and says. The everlasting, I mean, there's just too many words to describe what the word of God, the logos of God is. So let me give you a sentence that makes sense. The logos is the eternality of all that is true of and about God. And when John says, in the beginning was the word, he's saying, in the beginning was the eternal truth about God. In the beginning was the eternal truth was with God, and the eternal truth was God. How many of you know Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life? How many of you know God is no liar? He never speaks out of turn and out of deception. God is always true. So when John writes, in the beginning was the logos, in the beginning was the word, it was with God, it was God. It's the eternal truth of everything of and about God. And then notice the, the next verse. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and he. Now, the word is an it, but John doesn't call the word an it. He calls it a he. And he was in the beginning with God. In fact, all things were made through him and without him, all, are you seeing the, the, the pronouns here that make sense about this thing? It, and without him, not it, without him, nothing was made, 
was not anything was made that was made. In other words, all of creation hangs because of him. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Can you see the personhood mentioned here? Can you see the pronouns describing a he, not an it? So in the beginning, go back to John, listen, all the nerds, listen in. In the beginning was the word, and he was in the beginning with God. Now the word's a he. So this eternal truth of God, the reality of the logos, in the beginning was the eternal reality of God, was a he, and was with God from the beginning. There's a person being presented here in John, in John's gospel about this word that was with God and was God and created, creation was made through him. All the actions of the eternal God were in this word. Nothing was created apart from this logos. The word that was with God was God. It's amazing, the word of God. This eternal truth of and about God was present and active from the beginning of time and the centerpiece of creation. And then, in him, the word of God from the beginning, in him was life. Who do we have life in? Jesus, right? So, so what does that have to do with the baby Jesus? Well, you got to understand this word of God, the eternal truth of God, the reality of everything true and powerful about God gets born into flesh. Look down at verse 14 in your Bible. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now listen to me. Everybody listen. He says, we have seen his glory. The glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. This word, the eternal reality of all truth of and about God became flesh. Listen, Jesus didn't start at birth. He became flesh. He took on flesh. He didn't start as a baby, yet he entered into our world as a baby. He was the eternal one. He was God before he was a baby. He, Jesus was the word. He was the eternal truth of God. He was the creator of the world, and then he became flesh. In fact, I almost think it's a little illegitimate to say Jesus was born because the reality is he was never born. He became flesh. He took on flesh. The birth of Jesus was not the start of Jesus. So he's the biggest baby that ever came into this world. Why? Because he's the full expression of everything true and good and holy and righteous about God who came into this world in the person of Jesus. He, he became flesh and dwelt with us. The birth of Jesus was the coming of God into our world in the humblest way possible. He didn't come as a king with chariots and a huge army and, and rockets and television announcing that he's king forever. He came humbly into the flesh of a baby, first into the womb of a young, teenage, unwed woman. He came into our world as this baby that we celebrate. See, a lot of religions teach that Jesus was just born and then became divine. But in fact, Jesus was divine before he ever got here. Jesus was eternal before he ever became flesh. He comes into our world and dwells among us. Look at the text again. He came in and dwelt among us. What does that tell us? He dwelt with us. He didn't just stay above us or go get in a palace and stay distant and just, you know, throw out commands from the king's palace. He dwelt with us. He became one of us. He took on humanity so that he could feel what we felt, so that he could know what it means to be one of us, so that, so that God himself could overcome all of our flesh for us. Later, we'll see Jesus tempted in every way that we were, but never sinned. How is that possible? Because God became flesh. He didn't, now listen, because he came flesh does not mean that he gave up his divinity in taking on his humanity. 
This is one of the most powerful realities of Jesus coming into this world. He never left his divinity in taking on our humanity. But in his divinity, listen, God has overcome our humanity. What does that mean? We don't have to live the way this world tells us to live. We don't have to get all woke and crazy and live into the middle of our sin. We can overcome the flesh because the same spirit that was in Christ is the spirit that now dwells in us. And it's because of the coming of God into the world at Christmas. This eternal big baby who came into the world and gave his life for us. Look at what he says. We have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Man. Go back to what John's saying. He is the Word. He is from the beginning, the Word. And the Word was with God, and this Word was God, and this Word became flesh. The birth of Jesus was not the beginning of Jesus. It was our beginning with Jesus. He was always God and always from the Father. That's why Jesus is the biggest baby ever born. His birth was the birth of the God of the universe into our world. He took on flesh and carried with him the weight and the strength of heaven. I love the idea that Jesus went everywhere with the full weight of heaven backing him up. We can't relegate Jesus to some insignificant baby that became someone someday. The nativity is not actually more about Mary than about Jesus. He was born divine. He's the biggest thing to ever hit our planet. His coming was on time and on purpose, and his birth was not a random event, but specific to bring God to us. The birth of Jesus was about the glory of God. We have seen it. The only son from the Father. So why did he come? Why did Jesus come? And and we focus a lot on the humility of Christ, that he came through a baby, he came through Mary. But why? What's the reason behind this? Jesus came to bring this world back to God. Can somebody say amen and praise God for that? Jesus came to bring this world back to God. Look at the next text. Verse 14 and 15 says it like this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And John, the baptizer, bore witness about Jesus and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 16, for from his fullness, we have all, the whole world can receive grace upon grace. Somebody say amen. Amen. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. But look at this. Grace and truth came through Jesus. I love the way John introduces Jesus in the opening chapter of his gospel. He doesn't describe the manger. He doesn't describe the innkeeper. He doesn't describe the wise men. He goes at a 30,000-foot view, and he describes what God is doing in the earth by coming in the form of Jesus. I love the birth narrative from the gospel of John. Let me just recap it before we close. In the beginning, there was the word, this eternal truth of everything about God. And it was with God, and he was God. This word was in the beginning. He created all things. And this word, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us. This is an incredible view of the birth of Jesus. Would you say amen to that? So now we see Jesus is the full picture of what God was doing for humanity. And we can all receive him. Look at what he says. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Notice he says the law was through Moses, but grace and truth comes through Jesus. Hey, church, we need to be a people known for grace and truth. Grace without truth is just not honest. 
And truth without grace is just mean. You can say the truth, but without grace in your lips, and it's just cold-blooded and mean. We need to be known as people of grace and truth because we're people of Jesus. The law is not how we get to God. Keeping the rules doesn't impress God. You keeping Torah or keeping your, 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 your rights and, and, and privileges, you act, acting and behaving right and having perfect church attendance, none of that impresses God. The law is not our pathway to God. Jesus is our pathway to God. Why? Because he is God. And the fullness of God's truth took on flesh and dwelt with us to give us grace, which is the power of God to live right, and gives us truth, the only pathway back to God. Grace is understood as God's power to help us live for God. Many of us think grace is just kind of excusing bad behavior, but in fact, that's mercy when God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive that. But grace is God saying, I'm going to empower you by my spirit to live for me. And the truth that Christ brings us is why he's called the Logos, because Jesus is the eternal reality of all things true about God, that he will save you, deliver you, transform you, and make you more like himself. The greatest Christmas gift, listen, ever given was this amazing, big, hefty, beautiful, eternal baby king, King Jesus. He's the biggest baby ever born. Does that make sense to you guys now? Because he's the eternality of God. He is the full expression of God's truth to us. He's the power of God in the flesh. He's the creator of God in the flesh. He's the creator, not of God, he's the creator God in the flesh. And he is given as a gift from the Father to us. He's the truth of God, the full expression of God. As you exchange gifts this week for Christmas, I want you to first come away and just thank God for the gift of Jesus. Thank God for the gift of himself. Thank God that the greatest gift ever given is not your iPad, is not your vehicle, it's not your video games, it's none of those things. The greatest gift ever given is the fullness of God's truth wrapped in flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. So I've, I just have a couple questions for you today. Will we receive this gift of God? Will we receive this gift of God's grace? Will we receive this gift of God's truth? Will you receive the gift of God this Christmas? That he sent Jesus, the eternal word of God, to become flesh for us, offering the only pathway back to God. No other religion offers a pathway to God. Every other faith system tries to tell you how to behave your way to God. Christianity says how God came to us and said, I am the pathway to God. Jesus says, I'm the only way. I'm the only truth. I'm the only eternal life. He is the truth of God, the full expression. So will you receive this gift of Christ this Christmas? If you've never received the gift of Christ at Christmas or ever before, today's the day for that. Today's the day that you would say, man, I received the gift of God. He's not just some prophet. He's not just some teacher. He is the God of creation come into flesh to gift you a pathway back to the God of heaven. Why? Because he loves you so much. If you would say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not a good gift to God. I'm, I'm tarnished. My life is a wreck. I've made too many mistakes. You're the reason he came. You've never done too much where God says, I can't have you. Never. Your past is not bigger than God's past. And your past is not bigger than God's future for you either. God will forgive you. 
He will save you and restore you. In fact, I skipped over verses 9 through 13. I don't know if you noticed that in John 1. But let me remind you of what John says before he, the word became flesh. The true light, which gives light to everyone. The only way to have the true light, talking about Jesus, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him. He came to his own, talking of Jesus coming to Israel. He came to his own, to his own people, and they did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, Jesus, the word of God, the eternal one, gave the right to become children of God. The only way you and I will ever be children of God. It's not through religion. It's not through good works. It's not through church attendance. It's only if we've received the gift of Christ and believed in his name, that he's given the right to become children of God. And we are now born, not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but we are born of God. Will you receive the gift of Jesus, the biggest baby ever given to the world, the eternal truth of God? No other faith system will give you a pathway to God, none. And even church attendance and Christianity is not your pathway to God. Jesus is your pathway to God. And he came as the best gift ever. And he is for you. This is the gift you need to receive this year. This is the gift you also need to give away this year and share with others the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Hey, can we stand all over this room and wherever you're watching? Come on, we're going to close out in prayer. My final question to all of you as I talk about this giant baby is will you receive this incredible gift? Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. I want to give you a moment, if you would, to respond to this gospel presentation. Listen, the story of Christmas is the greatest gift the world has ever known. And will you receive that gift? Nobody's looking around, even joining online or digitally. I want to ask you, if you say, Pastor, I want to receive this gift of Jesus. I want this gift. I want to give my life to Christ. I, I receive it, and I believe what you tell me about what he's come to do. That he's the eternal God of heaven, come in the flesh to give me eternal life. If that's you, no one's looking around. I just want to know I'm praying with somebody. Would you just raise your hand and show me that you want me to pray with you? Come on, anybody. Lift your hand around the room. Come on, anybody else. Praise God. Man, praise the Lord. Christmas just took on a whole new meaning for you today. You just got the greatest gift ever this world has to offer, and it's what God came to give, and it's eternal life. Our prayer team's going to come after uh, we sing together, but those of you that have just raised your hand, I want you to look at me. Do not leave here without telling somebody about what you've done today. And I want you to come forward and let one of our team members pray with you, our pastors pray with you, give you some next steps. In fact, joining online, if you'll say that's me, we want to follow up with some next steps. But I'm going to invite everybody today to receive the gift of Jesus for Christmas. Come on, can we open our hands to the Lord? Everybody around the room joining us digitally, come on, say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he came into this world and gave his life for me so that I can live forever. Say, I'm all in, Lord God. I believe in Jesus. I receive Jesus Christ as this gift this Christmas. I confess my sin. I repent. I'm no longer going my way. God, I'm going your way because Jesus reigns in my life. I receive it. I believe it in the name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. 
Come on, let's celebrate. Come on, let's celebrate. Praise you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Man, I'm telling you what, church. That's what Christmas is about. By the way, the gift continues in the life of Jesus. He lived a perfect life and was crucified to pay the penalty for our sin. Because a holy God requires sin to be paid for. And a holy God said, I'll go pay the price for it. That's why he came, is to pay the price for your sin. I want to encourage you this Christmas to give that gift also away. Let others know the faith that you believe and the, the commitments that you have to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to continue in prayer in just a moment, I want to ask, our prayer team will be up here, but I want to invite you to come and let us pray with you, talk with you. I'm so thankful that you would say yes to Jesus this Christmas. Amen. Hey, I'm going to invite my wife, Stephanie, to come and join me up here. And uh, if you would grab, this is how we've closed out for about 10 years on Christmas. We're going to sing together and we'll drop the lights. Everybody say what's up to Stephanie. Come on, everybody. Merry Christmas, Stephanie. Hey, we're going to join together in singing Silent Night. And if you would um, just pass the flame around the room, please don't let the lady's hair in front of you catch on fire again. That has happened. And don't let your kids spill the wax on the chairs. If they do, just tell us so we can clean it up. Don't you love the complications of singing Silent Night? Oh, praise the Lord. You can pass that along. your candle. <laughs> All right. Man, isn't this beautiful? We'll drop the lights down and get to sing this together. Are you glad you came to Christmas Eve service today, Life Point Church? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Those of you joining us digitally, I encourage you to join us as we sing and, and, and remember the beauty of this gift of baby Jesus coming into the world. It seemed like a silent night. It seemed like such peaceful, but truly it was chaotic. It was the collision of heaven and earth where God himself, the creator, came to join us, to take on our flesh, to give his life for us. And we worship and remember him together. Come on, let's sing. Ready? Silent night, holy night,
take a quick look around the room. How amazing is this? Lord, we love you. We thank you that we celebrate the birth of Jesus, our Savior, the Lord who has come into this world to bring us eternal life. We are honored to live for you and serve you the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.